And uh, in this session, I'm going to be talking about what is, uh, at least from my perspective, the greatest obstacle in marriage. Now, let, let me just say this from the very outset of this. You know, I'm talking about what is, from my perspective, the, the greatest obstacle. Okay, when it comes to my perspective, I don't, I don't give a Jimmy Hoot either. I know you guys don't care what my perspective is, and, uh, and I don't either. You know, the, the way that it works, the book of uh, Romans says in Romans chapter 3 and, and verse 4, let God be true and every man a liar. And all of that to say that I, I don't put any more stock in my perspective than you do. Uh, and the reality is, when we come to this whole subject of marriage, there are a lot of obstacles that come into this thing. And, you know, I, I can't find a place in Scripture where God ever takes the time to rate them. I think the way that it actually works is the, the greatest obstacle in marriage is whatever one you may be dealing with at any given time. You know what I'm saying? And that's what's real to us at the moment. But that being said, I would submit to you that there is a, uh, a major, major obstacle in marriage that uh, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody else at a marriage conference talk about this, but I will tell you, uh, after being in the ministry for 40 years now, dealing with lots of people with lots of marital problems, uh, I don't know how we could come together and talk about marriage and the obstacles that we face and not address this one. And it may surprise you what I'm going to be talking about in this se session, but the greatest obstacle in marriage is overcoming your father. And I don't expect you at this very moment to understand everything that is actually behind that statement. I hope that in the next little bit, we'll understand it just a, a little bit better. But I, I do want you to know this, y'all. Your father plays into just about everything that is presently taking place in your home. And, and when I say that, I, I realize that some of us don't live within 500 miles of the man. Some of us have not talked with him in over a decade. Some of us, our dad has been dead for 5, 10, 15, 20, even 30 years now. And yet, regardless of any of that, I would suggest to you that today that in a good portion of the homes in this room, our dad is still playing into what goes on on a daily basis. And I, I, I want to very humbly and hopefully in this session, 
hopefully very graciously say to you that the, typically the way that it goes is the more resistant you are to hear that the greatest obstacle that we're all facing is our Father, the, 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 the more you resist that statement, the more you actually need to hear what we're talking about. If you've got something like that behind you, uh, wow, this, this could be, if you'll open your heart to the Lord, I, it, not because of anything that I say, but this could be a really cool day for some of us in this room. And, and you know what, this, you know, usually when I am preparing a message and, and I'm coming before folks that love God and want to go with Him, man, I, you know, I'm praying, oh God, I hope that they can apply this today. And you know what is crazy today? I hope that you listen to what I say and you can find no application in your life whatsoever. I really do hope, if, if that's who you are, you are a blessed soul. Um, but even if you can't find a place to actually apply this, maybe, maybe you can listen to this today and maybe I can save you one or two years because I will tell you just about every person you come in contact with is dealing with this issue. And, uh, I, I'm, you know, usually if somebody starts a sentence by saying, have you seen, uh, typically I can say, no, I, I, I'm just not a real big movie guy. Um, if I told you the movies I liked, you'd go, you need to get out more, bro. <laughs> um, but I will tell you, Hollywood has tapped into this whole father thing. And some of those kid movies... They ain't for kids. They're for us. Uh, I don't want to bore you to tears, but you ever, not the new Mary Poppins. Do you watch the old Mary Poppins? You know what that's about? It's about a dad that is so preoccupied with his life and his business, he got no time for his wife. He's got no time for his kids. And Mary Poppins breezes in to show him what is really important in life. And when dad loses, you guys know this movie? Okay. When dad loses his job and comes back in the home, you remember the big band is all playing all in the, the big swank house? Mama, if you've ever seen it, it's got this women's lib banner all over here. And I mean, they cut it right in your face to show you she doesn't need that when the man is doing what he's supposed to be doing. And the kids don't need Mary Poppins anymore because they got the one the dad wants to invest in their life. You know, the... Jesus said, sometimes the children of darkness are wiser than the children of light. Uh, 
I could go on with another of my favorite movies. Uh, you, do you guys remember Bruce Willis uh, years ago in that movie called The Kid? Um, you, listen, you ought to go rent that if because <laughs> it, it ain't for kids. I mean, it, it, it's it's to me it's very funny. But he, he's got issues with his daddy, and they scream that to you in the first five minutes. And when dad walks in, you've got a twitch, you know? And through that whole movie, you're trying to figure out where he got the twitch. And so this little kid comes into his life. It's him when he was eight, when he got the twitch. And he's walking back through his life and he's figuring out that he's bitter toward his old man. And when he got that straightened out, got life figured out. And, okay, we can go on and on with, with all of, of that. But I, I, I want you to know that this is not a bunch of... Uh, we're not talking Hollywood in this sec- uh, session. We're not talking psychology in this section. We're talking Bible. And anything that I don't say line, doesn't line up with the book, throw that out. But you see, there is, there is a, a, a major biblical basis for what I'm talking to you about right now. God makes this little seven word statement in Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 6 that it just kind of gets tucked in, gets read over, and yet it is one of the most monumental statements in the entire Bible. God says, the glory of children are their fathers. And what God's letting us know here is that, follow this now, this is critical, is that children are born into this world with a very powerful and a very natural bent, listen to this, to bring glory to the man in their life that they call father. Think about that for just a second. In other words, as God forms our children in their mother's womb, He builds into them what we might could call a a pleasing father mechanism. Some refer to this as father power. Some refer to it as father hunger. My little spin on it, I like to refer to it as the father factor. Because I, I believe a father factors into literally everything. In in fact, in terms of the far-reaching impact and implications of Proverbs 17.6, I put it in your notes this way. More than our culture, environment, and education, more than our circumstances of life or socioeconomic level, even more than our mother. Nothing humanly has had, is having, or will ever have a more profound influence and impact on who we are, what we are, and what we do. 
than our Father. Whether he was present or absent, whether we loved him or hated him or somewhere in between him, whether we knew him very well or didn't know him at all, whether he spent plenty of time with us or none at all, whether we realized it or not and whether we like to admit it or not, all of us were and are greatly affected and deeply impacted by the man we refer to or refuse to refer to as father. And if we really want to get our heads wrapped around just how real this is and how important this is for us as humans, just, just check out how important God says that this is to Him. God said that for those who are fatherless, whether it be by death or divorce or desertion, any other D word or any other circumstance that you can think of, in Psalm 68 and verse 5, God said that He would step in and be a father of the fatherless. And man, you, you talk about a perfect father. But why would the God of the Bible do that? It's because the glory of children are their fathers. And we need his influence in our lives. And when they, God sees a kid without a father, he says, I'll step in. And I'll be a father to the fatherless. The psalmist says, a father of fatherless. Look at this. Look at the last part of that, that verse in Psalm 68. A father of the fatherless is God in his holy tab, habitation. And, and you, get the, you get the picture here of, of God in the fullness of all of his majesty and splendor and glory, seated on his throne in the third heaven, in his habitation that is beyond description, and it's beyond imagination, and yet in the midst of all of this glorious splendor and might, God's heart, is for all those kids down there on the earth who are going through life with no daddies. Amen. That's, that's our God, y'all. <laughs> he is a father of the fatherless. In Psalm 10 and verse 14, he says that he is the helper of the fatherless. In Psalm 82 and verse 3, he says that he is the defender of the fatherless. Psalm 146 and verse 9 says that he is the reliever of the fatherless. Hosea 14 and verse 3 says that he supplies mercy to the fatherless. And once you, you begin to see God's heart for the fatherless, you begin to, un, begin to understand why God said what he said through James in James 1.27 when he said, pure religion 
and undefiled. The way I like to say it is Christianity at its finest is this. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. And, and just note how God refers to children with no fathers. Do you hear that? He sees them as living in affliction. He sees it as a, a terrible plight. And that's why God is so blessed when our heart compels us to step in, like his heart compels him to step in, and we take the time in the midst of our big lofty life to step into the life of some boy or girl that is living in the affliction of a fatherless home. And, and let me also add that God certainly wants to be the God to the fatherless. But it's even more than that, y'all. He wants to be, do you hear it? A father to the fatherless. And as great as that is, it's even more than that. Not only does he want to be their father, and I'm not trying to be cheesy, he wants to be their daddy. And the reason I say that is, I, do you have the Second Corinthians references? Uh, right, right. Following this, I, I can talk about it. Okay, in in Second Corinthians chapter six, he comes down to the end and he talks about why it is that we should be separate now that we have come to know Christ, man, and He's delivered us out of everything that almost sent us to hell. And, and he says, man, come out from all of that stuff and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And he says, and I'll be your God and you shall be my people. Isn't that awesome? That the God of the Bible would be our God and we could qualify as his people. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but he goes on. And it gets better than that. And he says, and, and, and listen, if you'll do this, I'll be your father. And you'll be my sons and daughters. Not only will I be your God, but you'll be my sons and daughters. And then we come to Galatians chapter 6, where he talks about us being his sons. And he lets us know that he wants to be our Abba, Father. My wife and I, when we started having grandkids, we, you know, had our little cool names we were going to be, you know. She was going to be G, G-I-I, you know, like when you're playing we, but with a G. How cool is that? <laughs> and I was going to be G-Paul. And yet that little kid, one of the first words he learned was Papa. You know what I'm called now? Mm -hmm. Papa. <laughs> Abba is like that, man. It's this, this term of endearment. Yes. Yeah, God wants to be your God. 
He wants to be your father. But more than that, he wants to be your Abba. He wants to be your papa. <laughs> Maybe you got to be a papa to appreciate that. I don't know. But, but again, what I'm trying to get you to see is God is letting us know this is the relationship that he wants to have with us. This is important to God. But let me also hasten to add that it was God's intention for all of us to have a relationship with the man that humanly was responsible for bringing us into this world where we found him as our Abba, Father. Yeah, I... This Abba Father type relationship, the way that I, the way that I think about it is when, when a, a, a child thinks about their father, it just makes them want to smile. Let me tell you something, y'all. There ain't too many adults that do that. Now, if you do that when you think of your daddy, in your spirit right now, just be thanking God. Because you are blessed just about probably more than anybody in this room. It's a, it's a jungle out there, man. And, and let me take a, a few minutes to show you how God intended for this thing to work. Let's talk, first of all, about what the father factor actually is. And I've alluded to it already, but I want to make sure that we've all got our minds completely wrapped around it. According to Proverbs 17 and verse 6, it is the pleasing father mechanism that God placed at the command center of our lives. And that pleasing father mechanism causes us to have a passion to bring glory to the man in our life or that is missing in our life that is called Father. And, and this thing that we're talking about, again, we're just trying to get our heads wrapped around it, it's what causes little kids when they're, they're playing to just randomly say, my dad can beat up your dad. <laughs> You know, if a, if a kid had the capacity, you know, the, the kid should say, where'd that come from? You know, I, I didn't know they were fighting. Or, uh, my dad, uh, uh, this is, this is, when, when we were raising our kids, uh, my my little girl, uh, yeah, just like your little girl has got daddy wrapped. Okay, well, she had me totally wrapped for sure. I played more Barbies than anybody you have ever seen in your life, man. Um, and uh, when she was just a little thing, we uh, I was pastoring a, a church in Ohio, and we had this guy on our staff that was this rock of Gibraltar guy, you know, about 6'5", and, you know, just looked like a lumberjack. And so I would take her to get a, a Happy Meal, and, and it, it took me a few times to catch on what she was doing, but she would grab one of her French fries, and she would 
and she would go, this is daddy, and this is Mr. Culpepper. Okay, well, actually, it's, it's just the opposite. But do you get what she was trying to say to me? Daddy, you are the tallest, awesomest man in the world. She just didn't know how to say that. I, I've taught her since. But <laughs> yes, verbatim. Okay, say it like this. Dad gummit. Um, but listen, nobody has to teach kids that. They are born into this world with a passion to do that. They want to bring glory to their fathers. The glory of children are their fathers. Don't, please, for the rest of your life, don't let those seven words bypass you. And again, I want to say, that's not, this is not psychology. This is Bible. It's Proverbs 17, 6. That's what the father factor is. But let's talk next about what the father factor is designed to accomplish. And, and, and this, is, this is huge, y'all. The, the father factor, the reason he did the Proverbs 17, 6 thing, is it was designed by God to help children find answers to the foundational questions of life through their relationship with their earthly father during the developmental years of their life. Because you see, the way that it shakes out in real life is we all come out of the womb and we all, without anybody telling us what questions to ask, we're all asking the foundational questions uh, that need to be answered in order for us to live well-adjusted and normal lives. And so we come out of that womb asking, who am I? Because we have a very basic need for identity. We all come out asking, does anybody care? Because of our basic need for security. And we all come out asking, where do I fit? Because of our very basic need for belonging. And we all come out asking, what am I worth? because of our very basic need for significance. Am I going too fast? We all come out asking, why am I here? Because of our very basic need for purpose. And we all come out asking, can I do it? Because of our very basic need for competence. And again, I say, this is not a bunch of psychological mumbo-jumbo. Because, listen, we can go through every one of those foundational questions and every one of those basic needs and find that God was very careful to make sure that Adam had all of the things, all of the answers to all of his questions. Watch this now. When Adam asked, who am I? 
Adam found his identity because God's answer in Luke 3.38 was, let me tell you who you are. You're my son. And when Adam asked, does anybody care? Adam found security as God himself stepped out of heaven in Genesis 3 and verse 8 on a daily basis and would walk and talk with him. You talk about security. And when Adam asked, where do I fit? Adam found his sense of belonging because God's answer in Genesis 2-7 was, you belong to me, and that's why I created you, to enjoy an intimate, personal love relationship with me. And when Adam asked, what am I worth? Adam found his significance because God's answer in Genesis 1.26a was, I created you in my very image and likeness. And when Adam asked, why am I here? He found purpose because God's answer in Genesis 1.28 was, buddy, I'm going to give you the purpose of all purposes. I'm going to give you the privilege of all privileges because I want you and your bride to replenish the whole earth with my sons and daughters who will be born into this world just like I created you to have an intimate, personal love relationship with me. And of course, the devil stepped in before they could actually fulfill that purpose. But when Adam asked, can I do it? Adam found his competence because God's answer in the rest of Genesis 1.28 was, and buddy, I'm going to give you dominion over the entire planet. Everything on the land and everything in the sea as well as everything in the air. L listen, y'all. Adam found the answers to the foundational questions that flow out of our basic needs, and he found the answers to those questions. How did he find them, y'all? It was through his relationship with his father. And God has designed human life so that we all are intended to find the answers to those questions, just like Adam did through his father, so that we all find the answers to those questions. We all have our basic needs met through the relationship that we develop with that man in our life that we call father. And that's why God entrusted to fathers the stewardship of this tremendous power, this father power. And, and the way that this is supposed to work in, in real life is that it, a kid grows up in his father's home and he's having these questions answered by his dad through the intimate personal relationship that they share with one another. And that kid grows up, for sake of a better word, he, he grows up idolizing his dad and loving 
his dad and caring about what his dad thinks and listening to what his dad says so that there is a time in their relationship where that that dad is actually able to say to that child, in effect, okay, again, we're not talking about these exact words, but communicate to them. Listen, I, 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 know, you, I know you love me. I know you think I'm something. But man, I want you to know something. I'm just a picture. I'm just your earthly father. And though you can't really see it just yet, I am way flawed. And I am way imperfect. But anything that you do love about me, anything that you do find admirable about me, it's because there is a heavenly Father that I know and I love, and I'm seeking to model him for you, but do understand something. I'm just a jacked up picture. He's perfect. And as much as I love you, he loves you more than I could ever think of loving you. So that the end goal is for that dad to be able to connect that child in a relationship with the God who wants to be their Abba, Father, so that they have the answers to the foundational questions answered and their basic needs met by God, their Father, for the rest of their lives. And, and so kids grow up in this environment where we get to picture for them what the true Father in heaven is all about. And the design is for that Father to connect them in that relationship so that those kids will grow up into adulthood and honor their heavenly Father the rest of their life and honor their earthly Father for the rest of their lives. And I, I, I certainly don't have time to exhaust this, but, but let me just ask you something. Do you think do you think that it's just random coincidence that the God who created us just happened to assign to men in the relationship they have with their children the same exact title that he reserved for himself in the relationship that he has with his children? And do you think that it is just a random coincidence that they have, as Proverbs 17, 6 says, that they have this innate passion to bring the, their father glory? And, and I think that you can connect those dots. But again, for time's sake, let me just cut it to the chase. Proverbs 17, 6 is letting us know 
that God has entrusted to men in their relationship with their children the responsibility of modeling before them what the real father in heaven is like. And that's why he's entrusted the stewardship of that same title that he reserved for himself. And if a father will be a good steward of the entrustment of that title, when you connect that title and that relationship with that child's innate pleasing father mechanism that causes them to want to glorify him, what you find is that apart from the very word of God itself and the very Spirit of God Himself, listen y'all, there is not a more powerful force for good on this entire planet. And I know that's a, that's a bold statement. And that's why everybody went, ooh, when they heard it. Apart from the Word of God, and the Spirit of God, there is not a more powerful force for good on this planet. But don't miss this now. If a father breaks that pleasing father mechanism in his kids, the power of it is every bit as strong. Only now, it seeks to be a power for good and it becomes an incredible power for evil. And listen now, the reason that I said at the beginning that the greatest obstacle in marriage is overcoming your father is because most of us, and again, I hope you are the exception in the room, but most of us grew up in a home where we experienced varying degrees of broken father power. And if you didn't experience it yourself without realizing it, most of you married someone who was the recipient of broken father power and listen, y'all, when father power gets broken, broken and we don't get the answers to those fundamental questions and we don't get those basic needs met, it's apart from the way that God designed this to happen. <laughs> Though most humans don't know this, you do know that Satan knows this, right? When we don't have that kind of relationship with our Father, it throws us off, man. And we get disoriented. And we lose our way. And it affects us spiritually. It, is, it affects us mentally, emotionally, psychologically, physiologically, and even physically. And rather than being propelled in life, by our Father. We find ourselves provoked by Him and we begin to make bad choices in our teen years and into our early 20s because what we are 
trying to do is find the answers to these foundational questions and get our basic needs met, but we are going to all of the wrong places for that to happen. And so we start sowing attitudes and we start sowing actions that follow us right into marriage. And we reap those attitudes and we reap those actions and for most people it haunts them for the rest of their life and you see that's why God comes along in the New Testament and two times in the New Testament please listen to this two times in the New Testament he calls fathers by name Okay, it, he, he's trying to get their attention. And both times that he does that, you know what's interesting about what he says? He says the same exact thing. Now, now listen, y'all, God is not an old codger. Oh, did I already say that? <laughs> oh, I guess I forgot. He, he, he says it because... It is so vital. And he only said two things to fathers and says the same thing, but he, he, he doesn't want you to miss this point by having all kinds of things that he says. It would be hard to miss if we just said, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to see every time in the New Testament that God addresses fathers. I'm going to see what he has to say. Okay, a big whopping two times. <laughs> in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, he says, and ye fathers, okay, I'm not trying to be an idiot. He doesn't say parents. Okay, all the other translations are going to do that to it. You're going to miss the point. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. And he turns right around in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21 and says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. And notice the last part of, of that verse. He says, lest they be discouraged. And, and let me just quickly call a few things to, to your attention. First of all, in light of everything that we've been talking about, recognize that God, again, is appealing to men in this passage. Now, based on what we've already seen from Proverbs 17, verse 6, the glory of children are their fathers. And then God says, fathers, don't provoke your children. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, fathers, be real careful that you don't break your father power. And notice next that that's the reason that he specifically addresses fathers. And again, like I said, not parents. And notice that from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, you, you get the idea that fathers have the ability to provoke their kids to a rebellious wrath. 
And, and from the Colossians 3.21 verse, you get the idea that fathers have the ability to provoke their kids to a discouraging, defeating anger. And, and, and what, what helps me get this in my, my head is, okay, so I, I, I grew up in Miami, Florida. I'm living right now in Atlanta. You guys are in the Charlotte area. You know what? You can go to any big city in this country, all over the world for that matter. And tonight, when it gets dark, on one side of the street, you'll see a bunch of young people that have found each other. And they got a chip. What you looking at, home? What's the chip about? How'd y'all find each other, man? They're, they're rebels and they don't even know how they got there. And they want to take somebody's head off. And they don't even know why. You go on the other side of the street. Here's this guy pushing a grocery cart. He can't even pick up his feet, man. Life so sucked out of him. So discouraged. What is that? How do they get there? Broken father power, man. And again, I'm giving you the extremes, but as you know, that's becoming less and less extreme, isn't it? It's becoming an epidemic. And those are the extremes, but again, I will say to you, just about every person you meet is living in varying degrees of those extremes. And these are the things that we're bringing into our marriage. And we don't even know where it came from. We don't even know what it is. And um, I want to I get us on our, our time schedule. It, it's, uh, before I take it any further, it is time for a break. We just came from where we were slamming probably lots of drink. I want to make sure that as we're uh, finishing this point that we're not, nobody's missing it. And so, man, let's, uh, let's take a, that 15-minute break, get yourself refreshed, but don't lose where we are, y'all. I don't want to have to preach the rest of that to get you caught up, okay? So let's, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll take a break. Lord, I know we are uh, tapping into some, some pretty, practically speaking, some heavy-duty stuff. And I'm sure that, uh, that there are no doubt men and women in here right now that are just 
listening, trying to process this and trying to let it sift down. And Lord, I pray that it'll be able to do just that. I, I pray that there will be some real victories that are won here this afternoon and victories that not only change the course and direction of our marriage, but change the course and direction for our kids. So on both of those fronts at the same time, Lord, we're asking you to, to work in a mighty way. And so, Lord, get, make us refreshed, and, uh, and may we come back and, and glean some powerful things from the remainder of the, this topic we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Pastor, you have anything to say other than do your thing? Thank <laughs> you.